you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Guys, you would not believe the shit Julia just tried to pull. Here she is pretending like she doesn't know that I went first in the recap last week. And Julia, we all know I went first in the recap last week. When you, you goddamn dirty bastard. <laughs> when you said that, I just heard Alex Trebek in my voice. And it's Julia who will go first in double jeopardy. <laughs> But we should do Teen turn. Wolf Jeopardy. Uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Like a Zoom Teen Wolf Jeopardy. No, we're not including no. other people. It's just us <laughs> to see how much we know about the show. Um, we have to get like an outsider to set up all the prompts. But Yeah, because when it comes down to it, we don't know jack shit about Teen Wolf. Oh my god, we don't know anything. It's so funny because... I think for us now, people will come and like try to talk to us about Teen Wolf, which we love, obviously. But I do hit a point where I'm like, I cannot think about it if we're not recording. Like my brain shuts it away. It's a, it's in a secret vault. Well, I also do think that like pre doing the podcast, I would think about it more regularly. And now I have a lot of times of the week when I like am allowed <laughs> to think about it. Otherwise, I exhaust myself. So the second we're done recording, I'm like, okay, now I have to think about like normal stuff i'm like work other things that i'm obsessed with aren't doing well <laughs> what i'm making for lunch tomorrow like stuff like that yeah you switch off the mic and you're like okay time to make dinner yeah <laughs> we i feel like i always eat before we podcast but that's yeah. true but you yeah. know what i'm saying no no i got it i um you just reiterated my point but worse way to be the dude in lecture <laughs> thank you thank you i'll be here all week just to Piggyback off that point. <laughs> Christian and I were only ever in uh, like one uh, non one one class together. Yeah, because we yeah. were never in any theater classes. Together. No, but we were in in one class together about like comic books, and like the first day, we just kind of sat down and been like, "Who's gonna be the man of this lecture?" Weirdly, it was a girl. Yeah, which was uh, out of left field. No one was expecting it, and yet, and yet, she really showed up to answer every question incorrectly, but with so much authority in her voice. It was so, insane. So much conviction. Mm-hmm. A room full of uh, Muslim people, and she, this white girl, took it upon herself to try to answer the question of what Ramadan is. <laughs> and she could not have been more off-center with well, her answer. I, her answer was just so vague because she didn't know. Yeah. And I really feel like nobody else raised their hand just to be like, I wonder what <laughs> she's going to come up with. <laughs> That's true. Don't. Don't do that. Don't if you're do in that. college. Don't do or in literally any, any scenario. Situation. Yeah, people did that in high school too. Don't be that boy in a lecture. Yeah, um, because girls like us will be like, "Oh my god, you guys hear what so and so said today?" And uh, it gets around, no matter how big your school is. So, <laughs> anyway, Julie, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It it's a nice day outside. It is nice. We've had a uh, slight. Um, relief from our uh heat wave yeah uh it was a balmy 75 we are recording this earlier in the evening than we generally do that's exciting that is exciting we'll be more coherent i hope i fingies crossed fingies crossed yeah. how are you feeling sweaty Always. I'm the sweatiest person <laughs> on the planet. Whatever your opinion of me is, 
please change it just slightly to include the fact that I'm always sweating. Uh, you're welcome for that piece of unsolicited information about Christian. I, I'm just trying to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that there is a level of podcastery where the best part about it is relating. And I'm sure there's going to be another bitch who's listening being like, I have hyperhidrosis. <laughs> we Me are. too. We're so real. We're so, we're really so relatable. I can't even deal. Hashtag. Hashtag relatable. Um, anyway, you guys are listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we sometimes talk about how sweaty we are, but mostly talk about Teen Wolf. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. Cool. What episode are we talking about, Julia? We are talking about uh, season three, episode two. And wouldn't you know, um, I forgot to write down the title. Oh, one note's crazy. Hmm. I wrote it down. What? I know. It's called Chaos Rising. Amazing. As I mentioned to you as we started the episode, <laughs> every time I read the the word chaos in my head, it's pronounced chaos. Love it. Uh, I'm going to not think about it that way, but it's good to know that you do. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point in like middle school during reading aloud, like I obviously knew the word chaos, but had never seen it spelled and said it like that. And um, it was middle school, so I probably wanted to kill myself immediately <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> It do be like that sometimes. It really do. Um, this episode was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey, like last time. And also like last time, directed by Russell Mulcahy, our people. And we have see a good through line between the first and second episode. And also, this episode is good. And dark. Dark. In directing and theme. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just kind of stalling because I... Because you don't want to do the recap? Well, yeah. I don't remember uh-huh. what happened. Uh, I like genuinely cannot remember how it starts. Oh no, I can. Ha. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, should we jump right into the recap? Sure. Are you actually ready? Probably not, but we'll do it anyway. Meh. One, two, three. Okay, so Scott and Styles are on their way to a party, and uh, Styles is very excited because he wants to like meet all these new girls. Meanwhile, um, Allison and Lydia are trying to get in touch with Scott because they figured out that the uh, bruises on their arms form some sort of pattern. But uh, Scott's ignoring their calls. They go to the party. Um, the girl that they're there to see takes Styles down to the basement to like lose her virginity to him. It's all very cute, but then she gets kidnapped. Um, they kind of like wake up the next day. And uh, nobody's really addressed it there at school. Coach is there teaching them about economics, risk, and reward. Um, Styles gets pulled out because the girl is missing. Allison figures out that the um, symbol on her arm is the logo of a bank. And similarly, at the same time, uh, Deaton is putting Isaac underwater to make sure that he can figure out where he was when he saw Eric and Boyd. So they also figure out that it's at the bank and then they all end up kind of going there together. Um, but it turns out that Erica possibly dead. Nope. I should have written it down. I should have written down an outline. Yeah. (laughs) It was incoherent. Uh, No, I think you got some big points. Okay. Um, and this episode, we mentioned while watching it that was it was well paced, but I also think that it was well paced because there was a lot to fit in. Yes, there was no there was no drag because uh, it had to hoof its way on through to get through all of it. This is a lot of domino setup for what happens in the rest of the season, much like the first episode was. Um, so it moves, it's intriguing, but again, it's a lot of like, uh, setup for the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay, Christian. Yeah, huh? Are you ready to As do? I will ever be. <laughs> okay, great. You have one minute on the clock, starting now. So Allison and Lydia are in the car, and they're trying to figure out what the bruises mean, but Lydia doesn't think they mean anything, and then Allison calls Scott, but he was on his way to a birthday party with Styles, the girl he used to know when he was younger, and then she wants to lose her virginity to him, and he's like, hell yeah, and then he goes upstairs uh, to try to find a condom, and he comes back, she's been kidnapped, uh, but he thinks that she's just gone with her friends, and then Isaac and Derek and Peter are trying to figure out a way to get back Isaac's memory, so Peter stabs in the back of the neck, but I can only see like a little bit, and then Styles and uh, Scott and Allison and Lydia are at school, and they're still freaking out about stuff, and then... And Derek takes Isaac to Deaton's and then him and Scott hold Isaac underwater to kill him or something to make him remember stuff. And then he tells them that the other werewolf's been kept in a bank. And meanwhile, Allison figures out on her own because of the symbol on her wrist. And then they make the bank plans. And then Allison uh, breaks into the bank and then Morel like tells her, like locks her in a closet or whatever. And she sees Allison, uh, she's Allison's dead body. It's really sad. And then Peter and Styles figure out that the werewolves are being like withheld from like full moon rays. So they're going to go crazy. And then Boyd and Cora almost kill Derek. Cora's Derek's sister. Yeah. He, and then, nice. uh, Allison saves them. And, uh, Derek tells Allison that his mom tried to kill Scott. Her mom tried to kill Scott. Dun, dun, dun. We don't actually see that. Do we do? No, she just oh, asked, yeah. what, is, what, is, what does he mean? mean? What does he mean? What was she wearing? Yeah. Um, and so we're left on a real cliffhanger because Derek kind of drops that bomb that Allison's mom was not this perfect angel, which Allison knows, um, but like that she had done something to Scott. So we're left before he actually tells her, and the episode ends on Lydia in her bed, screaming. Banshee screaming. Well, a quick note on Allison. I do think that post-Gerard, she wants... And, like, knowing that her dad was a, a strict follower of the code and disapproved of Gerard's actions, I think she wants to believe the same of her mother and death because it's, like, I guess a more honorable way <laughs> to remember these um, terrible people. Um, and so I think to find out otherwise is would be a real shock, especially because, like, you don't you know, like don't want to think ill of the dead, but also like she hasn't recovered from losing her mother and to have to do that while knowing her mom was a bad, a worse person or like radicalized in the way that Gerard made her would be really upsetting. And also the fact that Allison uses her death and the fact that uh, her death was caused by Derek biting her as a justification for her actions um, and I, while she knows that that was like not the right way to handle the situation, she doesn't really understand like the full implication of that because of course it wasn't, it wasn't like Derek doing it on purpose. It was Derek trying to save Scott. Yeah. But we're going to get there. Um, we'll dig into that a little bit later in the episode. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about this episode through the theme of risk and reward, which is the very, uh, openly honest theme of this episode. Starting in economics class with Coach, uh, explaining the conceit of the two and how they apply to life and also the stock market, which is just astrology for men. Truly. (laughs) Truly. Truly. And uh, later it gets brought up again by Scott, and everyone is making a lot of risks 
or taking a lot of risks in this episode and hopefully reaping some of those rewards. But they're not immediately evident. And you guys should know that when we start to do an episode of the podcast, we have to sit around for like an hour trying to figure out what the theme is going to be. Um, And this time it was so easy. It was Bobby Finstock just handed it to us on a silver platter. Oh, Wolf of the Week for just for that. (laughs) Shout out. Alpha of the Week. What do we call it? Alpha of the Week? Wolf of the Week is what we post on Twitter with people's dogs. That's true. By the way, DM us a picture of your dog. We're going to get back on that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was nice. I I love being given just a little nugget. (laughs) Just a little... A little something to base this podcast off Just of. to, like, push us in the right direction, yes. for sure. Um, who do you want to start with? Who do you think is taking the biggest risk in this episode? Um, let's see. I think... Uh, I would say that Derek is probably taking the biggest risk in this episode. He's also kind of the driving force behind a lot of the action that happens throughout the entire episode. Um because he's the one who initially reaches out to Peter to find out uh, if there's any way that they can access Isaac's memories. He's the one... um, But he's been working with Peter. Yes. But, like, Derek is is kind of the driving force behind this particular episode because really what they're trying to accomplish is they're trying to figure out where Erica and Boyd are. Um, That's, like, the central question of this particular episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I. It's funny. I almost disagree um, that he's taking the biggest risk because I think his risk was taken in season two by taking on the baby werewolves. I think he's trying to make reparations for a past risk. But he's also risking his life. He's risking his potential relationship with Scott. He's risking his relationship with Isaac. The with everything that he's putting him through. Um, Perhaps not taking the biggest risk, but I do think that he plays a very prominent role. No, I do think he's a big part of the a part of the episode and does take risk. I think he's more risking his life than anyone else's. I think Derek is still very cocky at this point. I his whole sort of thing about how he's going to be able to punch through the wall in the bank. He doesn't see that he doesn't. Derek only registers that his life is on the line. He doesn't understand that he's also putting Boyd and Cora at risk. He doesn't really understand that he's putting Scott at more risk than necessary. He sees this as a sort of mission impossible that he's the star of. I don't think the risk is that, um, like, I don't think he's that cognizant of it. That's interesting because I feel like, yes, Derek is selfish. Um, and he transformed the baby werewolves out of his own, need for a pack because he knew that the alpha pack was coming. But I do think at this point, because they've been missing for so long because Isaac drops the bomb that Erica is dead. They're not sure if he's telling the truth, but that is like a sincere possibility. I do think that Derek is like feeling the moral repercussions of his actions. Maybe, but again, I think it's a, a past, a past risk that's catching up with him. And then he's putting his life on the line to, to, to make up for it. I, I just, I do think that he's taking a big risk in this episode. He's obviously the pivotal character in this episode, I think. Um, I just don't think that he is risking as much as maybe Scott is, or Isaac even. Um, so perhaps you'd like to... No, I want to keep talking about Derek. I do want to keep, ta- keep talking about Derek. Um, I... 
what like what is Derek's major reward? I think Derek's major reward is getting Boyd and Erica out of a situation where they're in danger that is his fault. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm saying like I think he's he's the reward is to is is making up for a past mistake. It is like I think you you mentioned the like guilt. I think it is guilt fueled, uh, and I don't necessarily know if if that's a selfless risk. Whereas I think when you posed it to begin with, that's what it sounded like to me. I don't really know. Well, I I feel like there is a question of like how much of our actions are truly selfless, um, which is just like a very big philosophical <laughs> just question like, guys just if casual. you just want to go through your life right now and uh if you're shopping in retail none of your actions are selfless please go home <laughs> go home uh, I'm, uh, I'm, i hate wearing a mask all day <laughs> at a minimum wear a mask and don't be a dick about it oh my gosh if one more person is like i just hate wearing a mask i'm like oh you hate wearing a mask for the 10 minutes you're in here i wear a mask for eight hours a day <laughs> i'm getting tan lines on my face gross yeah but i mean like i could step out in the sun for like two minutes and have a new ugly tan line so that's like mm. to be expected but i am a little bit like okay especially when people are like we're so happy you're open i'm like we won't be for very much longer if you don't put a mask on so enjoy it while it lasts mm-hmm. but go home yes but anyway i i but i do think that there are selfless risks being made i don't think that this is the big like if this needs to be like who is the most moral of teen wolf because like no one actually needs to be that moral except for scott well but that that's kind of the point though is that there's like the juxtaposition of like scott is the ultimate selfless self-sacrificing character of teen wolf and so other people are kind of like put against him as foils which Derek is often and so perhaps it's difficult to see him as um completely selfless in this moment but i like i do think that he feels genuine remorse for what he's done no i think so too um i just think like i i guess my point was less about like the morality of this risk and more about the fact that this is this is a a making up for past risk his reward is is basically being told that you didn't fuck up that bad you you made amends which, which is not at like the which is like a less sort of which is a re, a reward that one might need less than let's say Scott's reward which is knowing his friends are safe mm-hmm. or Isaac which is saving Boyd's life even if he can't save Erica's. You know what I'm saying? I I do. Okay. Um is that were those all your comments on Derek? I think he's trying really hard. I just, I, I don't want to come off as a derricator, but I do feel like your Derek standing always puts me on the opposite end. Well, I love Derek. I do. The unfortunate thing is that his character is not well developed enough for us to be able to like see inside his mind. And so we do a lot of inferring. That's true. Teen Wolf writers, again, we would love to chat with you. And this was an excellently written episode, so we don't have that quibble but we do want you to flesh out your care retroactively go back go back fix it um i want jeff davis to, to personally write the teen wolf wiki page on every single character please we're begging you yeah um and then i, I mean honestly though i feel like ultimately Derek's reward um is one of the highest 
in this particular episode because he realizes that his sister is alive. That's true. Which is huge. Yeah. Um, we've never heard about her before. No. And she doesn't. Wolf writers. And she doesn't have a personality going forward. Love this. I love just the, the random women we've never heard about in this episode. There's like so many. There's so women, many. And you're just like, um, unnamed this is great. black girl comes back. We have to give her a name. Does she have a name? And if we looked in the credits, would she have a name? Um, Vamp. And I'll look. Um, but also Styles' friend, Heather, from childhood, is a good way to introduce her, like, to give us, you know, like, family friends or, like, people who would not be going to your high school, but you would have a close enough relationship with to go to their birthday party. Um, but we have never heard of her before. Like, I kind of wish this happened, like, in two episodes from now. Um, because then we'd be like, oh, Heather, that's cool that Styles has this friend we've never heard of. Instead of just like fridging her immediately, she has like maybe three minutes of screen time and it's like pretty bad. Um, and then Morel, who we also don't actually know that much about and just comes in to sort of like give weird advice and have no personality is back. Her name is Danielle. Oh, cool. That's nice. I love that we don't have to call her unnamed black girl anymore because that felt awful, but not as bad as knowing that Teen Wolf left her unnamed for so long. And she could have been such a fantastic addition. And she comes in a lot and I'm always like, where? Okay, imagine if she was friends with Styles through all of the show. The shenanigans. It would have been great. Top tier. Top tier. Yeah. 100%. Um, very sad. And also, not only do we have uh, an unnamed black girl who's named Danielle. I mm-hmm. don't think we hear that in the episode. No. But um, a girl gets fridged. True. Immediately. Yep. That has nothing to do with risk and reward. That's no. That's just a thing. No, it's just because we were talking about Cora. Yeah. Cora, yeah. we... Uh, Okay, if you had asked me in season one how many siblings I thought Derek had, I'd be like, I don't know, three, four? The only one who's alive is Laura. And yet, I feel like there were a lot of them. Well, we were made to believe that like at least 12 people died in the house because there was a bunch of relatives and like family in the house at the time when it was yes. burned down. Um, but as as of right now, we only know about Laura and Cora. Could they not have picked a different the Adventures of Pete and Pete. <laughs> Ed, if, Ed, and Eddie. If you remember The Adventures of Pete and Pete, please tell me. Let Christian know because she uh, tries to talk to me about it and I I have no context. It's because you didn't have cable. Nope, I did not. I was not allowed to watch television until I I do teen. feel bad that you missed out on Spongebob. I think it's very important. Well, the thing about Spongebob is that I, I was able to watch it when I was like 12. And so at that point I was like, what is the point of this talking sponge? I don't get it. Oh, oh my gosh. I <laughs> mean, at 16 was like, hell yeah, Spongebob. <laughs> but I like don't have, I don't have, didn't the, have the childhood background of Spongebob. Similar, like I'm watching Avatar for the first time, which I'm greatly enjoying, but it's I also don't have like the I'm 10 and watching this on Nickelodeon for the first time feeling about it so Mm -hmm. it's interesting Mm -hmm. um similarly i'm the one who made you watch teen wolf so so yes and i'm eternally grateful um yeah but no like derek does get the biggest reward for the least amount of risk i think that is what the least amount of risk (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying his reward to risk ratio is so thrown compared to like scott's and isaac's and Styles is in Allison's event. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he views it as like a reward at this point because it's a complete shock to him. And also she runs off into the darkness at the end, but he knows that she's alive. How? We don't know. How is she alive? And also I love that bullshit excuse where she's like, I was in South America. First of all, that is a giant place. (laughs) Where were you? Where in South America? There's so many countries in there. Yeah. What language does she speak? Spanish? Portuguese? French? Come on, where were you? I'm also like fairly certain that they probably mean like Central America and not South America because of that Central American plot in season four or five. Four. Four Four. is when they're in Mexico. That's still North America though. Yeah, but like... No, I know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so huge reward for Derek at the end of this particular episode. Um, after punching through a wall and getting stabbed. Ugh, men really do be like, let me punch through this wall. (laughs) What's weird is when men brag about it and you're like, I'm in danger. Mm -hmm. And you get a new drink. (laughs) I'm in danger. Yep. Shout out. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Scott? Let's do it. Um, our little, our little true alpha in waiting. Um, his, the whole interaction in uh, economics with Coach Finstock, I think really lays out the thesis of Teen Wolf because um, they're playing this game and he's like, if you get the quarter in the coffee cup, you don't have to take the pop quiz and you have to write an essay. Or, or like, but if you don't, you have to take the pop quiz and you have to write an essay or you can choose not to play. And I feel like that has been the central question kind of from when Scott became a werewolf. Like, are you going to choose to take way more responsibility? Are you going to take care of yourself or are you going to choose not to play? And Scott's really weighing that in this episode. He, they get to the bank vault uh, after having discovered that that's where Boyd and Erica are being held And he tries to stop Derek from going in because he thinks that they don't have enough information, which is not really the restraint that we've seen. Like it's a different kind of like thoughtfulness coming from Scott. I think. Yeah. Season one, Scott would just go barreling in. Yes. And season two, Scott maybe, maybe would think about it. Which is interesting because we've talked before about his superhero arc. Mm -hmm. Um, And, what we're now seeing from Scott is a sort of different element of like superheroism, which is like battle strategy. Yes. Like when you don't have maybe like powers, like somebody like Batman, it it implies that you have to have an immense amount of strategy to make th- make sure things go well. So when Scott feels that he's outpowered, he now is thinking through it. Which is really interesting. Um, it's a little heavy-handed that that's like the theme that Coach presents to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not complaining because it did give us the episode theme, so we didn't have to fight over it. <laughs> um, but it is interesting because I think it sort of suggests a new maturity in Scott um, that we have been maybe predicting or edging on, but haven't quite named yet. Yeah, I think the Scott of seasons one and two would be really reluctant to consider the concept of sacrifice and the idea that sometimes you have to let things go for the greater good, which is kind of what he's postulating here when he's saying, maybe we should not go in for Mm -hmm. Boyd and Erica. Maybe the sacrifice of Boyd and Erica is more important to the survival of the little pack that I have, that you have, 
And it's funny because I don't even necessarily think that he would sacrifice Boyd and Erica, who they, I think they know is dead, but can't quite admit it to themselves yet. Mm -hmm. I think that there is enough hope in Scott that he is right, that they would stay alive because that's been the Alpha Pack's whole thing is that they've been keeping them alive this whole point. Mm -hmm. And he says, and his idea is that if they go in, that changes the status quo. And then they're not afforded the protection of the Alpha Pack keeping them alive. Yeah, but he also doesn't know for certain that they will be alive if they don't take action. So it's kind of like a... Double-edged sword. Yeah, where... Hence the risk and reward aspect. Aha, uh-huh, you like how we worked that in there? Um, no. No, it's ter- it was terrible. Um, yeah. I think that Scott is really maturing into being a leader. Um, and once again, leading us on our true alpha storyline. Um, yeah, he has, I think he's concerned about not only losing Derek, who is like the most senior werewolf that he knows and trusts as opposed to like Peter. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even say that he totally trusts Derek, but enough. Um, all for, this like pig headed mission that yeah. may or may not save anybody. Yeah. And I think when Scott looks at this as risk, it's not even just, am I risking my own life for a plan? I'm not, I'm not too sure about is it. It's also a consideration of who would be left behind without me and Derek. Mm-hmm. Do you want Peter to raise <laughs> Isaac? Peter, Peter, the worst man. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. so oh baby, we love him so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that that Scott... I think this is the first time that Scott has really weighed the idea of there being a reward to risk. Mm-hmm. I think that Scott is has basically been barreling through headfirst, being like, if I do this, I achieve something, rather than having to consider what not doing or doing it does for the situation. Yeah, I, I feel like... Season one and season two, a lot of it was like very in the moment processing and feeling like you have to make this particular choice and you don't have any other options. Um, and now he has op- like he is coming into the realization that he does have options about how he wants to deal with things. Well, it's almost just sort of the like maturity of knowing that like nothing can really be black and white. And I think mm-hmm. that that was really proven to him in season two when he watches Allison like fall into this sort of dark side and watches Derek become a worse person. And both of them, you know, even out like sort of, they both move back towards like the center, like balance is still achieved at the end of the season. And that's kind of what this season is about. And becoming aware of that makes it so that he can't make easy decisions anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor Scott. What's his reward? His reward is that Boyd is alive. That Derek and Boyd are both alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ultimately, like, I don't know that he really gets a reward in this particular episode. Um, other than... Like, the knowledge. Yeah. Like, he sees Boyd alive, but it's, like, more questions than answers. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, the reward does not outweigh the risk in any way. Yeah. 
Um, somebody whose reward I think does actually outweigh their risk is Isaac's. Yes. I think Isaac's primary risk is, uh, facing more trauma to be, to remember what he experienced that night. Um, I think is what would be, is the worst thing to happen to Isaac. Um, and I don't want more bad things to happen to Isaac or for him, more things to weigh on him. But honestly, mm-hmm. grand scheme of Isaac's trauma. A minimal. drop in the bucket. A drop in the bucket. But his reward, knowing that A, he did find Erica and Boyd, he was able to do something and like mm-hmm. didn't fail on his mission to save his friends is very important. And knowing that there's a chance that he could at least save Boyd. Yeah, I think his... If he had not said okay to Peter kind of invading his memories, if he had not okayed being put into the ice trance state, um, I think he would have felt this tremendous guilt that he had this memory he could not access. Um, And so it feels like he he had to subject himself to more trauma to avoid the guilt mm-hmm. of not being able to tell Derek where Erica and Boyd are. Yeah. Which is very sad. It is sad. I also think it is something that trauma survivors often take on, take upon themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not a psychologist, but if I had to make an assertion, <laughs> that would be it. We do that all the time. That, Isa- that, that Isaac would be more willing to sacrifice his mm-hmm. own like security um, for other people than maybe somebody who hasn't faced what Isaac has, just in the sense that he doesn't want anybody else to face what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about the, the bath scene. The ice bath scene is so beautiful and sad and Daniel Sharman is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, you know, we always say, like, Dylan O'Brien is the Teen Wolf King, and I'm not comparing talents. That's ridiculous. Um, but I do think that if Isaac had been a bigger part of the show or had stayed on for more seasons, we would talk about him with similar fervor. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Um, the ice bath is gorgeous. It's a, a really excellent callback at the end of the season that they had done it before, um, and then the, the core three go into their own ice baths. Like it's a really, uh, nice recurrence at the end. It's kind of like a full circle. Oh, we did this before and we could do it again. Um, it was beautiful. It's also a really interesting concept, um, that like regular hypnotism wouldn't work on a werewolf. You have to basically almost kill them. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you know what it actually really reminds me of mm-hmm. is the, I know you've never seen Donnie Darko. A serious gap in emo teen viewing. There are so many. Um, but uh, in Donnie Darko, his therapist starts doing um, hypnotherapy on him. And even some of like, in just like the sort of eyes closed retelling of what you're walking through. And like the, I know it's like a lot of thing that comes up a lot in movies that have to deal with like therapy or whatever. But it did really remind me of that. Um and the way that Isaac doesn't want to keep feeling what he's going through because he is re remembering that, that terror. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I thought that was really interesting because it is sort of, it is in a weird way, a therapy session. Like there are things in your life that you won't remember, like traumas in your life that you won't remember until you go to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to everyone who goes to therapy. Woohoo. It's so good for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have to work through them and that's really what this, what happens in that scene. Um, and it's also just sort of beautiful because it is like the, the water love for Russell Mulcahy, <laughs> the water and the ice and the way that it's lit. And the fact that Daniel Sharman has such beautiful blue eyes and when they have to force him back under, it's like painful to watch. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. you kind of hold your breath. It's very visceral. And then he holds Scott's hand and you're like, Scott is the true alpha. He is the true alpha. I, the, the other interesting thing about this particular scene is I feel like Isaac is not allowed very many opportunities to truly feel the impact of the traumas that he's faced and like be emotional about it. He's kind of wisecracking. Um, and he kind of relays a lot of things without a lot of emotion. Um, we'll have more to say about that. I assure you. And, uh, that, I mean, that's a thing with like people who have survived traumas that you just report out. Mm-hmm. You just like tell people what happened. You don't actually feel it. And so for him to be doing it in this trance state where he's not really going to remember it, um, it's kind of like a safe space to ha- him for him to actually feel his emotions. And about- I also think it's important that the people who are there are, who are present for it are present for it. Mm-hmm. It's important that Scott hears that stuff. And also that Derek hears that stuff. So by the time Derek kicks Isaac out later in the season, Scott is like, I am here. I'm available for you. Yeah. Styles is like fucking around in the background with rubber gloves. So whatever. <laughs> so, so Styles is not really an emotional support. But we have never, we have never lauded Styles on being emotionally intelligent. So never. Um, but yeah, so Isaac's risk is maybe lower because he doesn't go into the final battle. He's not prepared emotionally or even physically after almost dying in the ice. Which is something that's really told to us. We don't really see, see it. it. In the same way that it's like Peter can't fight because he came back from the dead. So we are, we, we know that coming back from the dead is very hard for werewolves. So they're not in fighting Which, condition. I mean, to be fair, that makes a lot of sense. You were dead. Now you're not. That's got to take some time. Cuckoo banana bread. Yeah. But his reward is so much more fulfilling, even if it's just sharing that information or even confirming to himself that Erica is dead Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't have to weigh with that particular sort of what if anymore. Yeah. It's tragic. Horrible. I can't believe they fridged Erica. They didn't even give her a death scene. They killed her off screen and we see her only because Allison happens upon her body. How fucking ridiculous. And we have mentioned at some point that like the writing of women in the show is better than others, other teen shows, but that is insulting. Um, yeah. And I think, I think we'll be able to revisit this when, uh, at the end of season four or, 3B. 3B. Uh, when Allison is killed off and, and gets... Spoilers. The, spoilers for... <laughs> but again, if you have not watched Teen Wolf, why are you here? Yeah. Um, also, if you care about spoilers, why have you been listening to our podcast? Um, because we both feel that Allison's exit from the show is very appropriate and uh, we're not 
upset by it. No. In the sense that like, oh, she's a woman and she's been fridged. Like she goes out fighting for what she believes in. She basically sacrifices herself for her friends. And it's really... It's an, it's an honorable death. It's noble. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we don't even... We just see Erica... And, like, clearly she is not freshly deceased. She's, like, gross. She's been neglected in that closet for days, weeks. It is horrific. It's so sad. Um... And we don't even really get an opportunity to see the main characters like having to deal with that beyond, oh, Isaac said that she's dead. We're all really disturbed by that. Yeah, like I think that may be the first dead body Allison sees. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I think about this is that it starts a trajectory of um, death being sort of desensitized in Teen Wolf. Yes. Um, we have praised before the fact that this show has consequences um, and people get hurt. People have died. People who get hurt stay hurt in this show. They don't come back in the next episode with all of their bruises healed. But when side characters are killed off or random, like red shirted, mm-hmm. like just, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't even weigh on the community and that's what's frustrating. Yeah. And to have it be a character that we've actually interacted with, like... And loved. I love Erica. Um, Because later when, like, Heather shows up uh, tied to a tree or Mm -hmm. whatever, and all of the other sacrifices kind of show up, we're like, well, we don't have an emotional attachment to them, and their sacrifice is important to the plot. Um, But we knew Erica. We were invested in what was going on. Again, loved her. I don't don't know if Gage Golightly wanted to leave the show. I have no idea what happened with that. I'd be interested to research. Yeah. If you know, let us know. Gage, one, (laughs) badass your parents named you Gage. Yes. Two, I have questions. Um, Do you want to talk about Allison really quickly and then wrap it up with Styles? Sure. I don't. No, the thing that's interesting about Allison is that she has no idea what she's risking because she has decided not to confide in Scott that she is going to be going to the bank. She has no fucking clue what she's in for or whether or not there'd be a, she thinks there's a reward on the other side to figure out what, um, um, the bank symbol means what the bank symbol means. Mm -hmm. Yes. But she hasn't, there's no, she thinks she's walking into an abandoned building that she's going to explore, mm-hmm. um, which is really unfortunate that her risk was so uncalculated because I think if Allison had been comfortable enough to confide in Scott, she might not have done that. She also, her part is her reward is very important. She's able to save Scott and Derek. Yes. It's important that she goes, but her risk is so uncalculated you do feel for her in a way where you're like, oh no, baby, what is you doing? It's more a sense of like the fact that she was in the right place at the right time rather than a, a conscious risk. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, she just walks into this abandoned building with no, without telling any, not even telling her dad. Yeah. Um, and she's, her, she and Lydia don't know about the alpha pack at all. Nope. Um, because the Allison and Scott have just not been talking. And I, there's, this is a really truncated time in the episode. So there's no, it happens in like a day. So Allison and Scott are not able to catch up 
at all. So she doesn't really have the opportunity to talk to him about it, but she really just decides to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then runs into Ms. Morello. Morell? I'm pretty sure her name's Morello. I thought her first name was Morell. No. I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> if we're going back to unnamed women characters, they don't actually make the female characters' names very known. They do not. Let's um, yeah, her first name is Marin, and her last uh, name is Morello. Actually, no, you're right, Morell. I pew, pew, for pew. some reason keep hearing Morello because Morello sounds like a last name, and Morell sounds like a mushroom. Yes, um, and we find out that she is in league with Ducalion. Ducalion. Dun dun dun. Yes. Um. So yeah, Allison's risk cannot wade. Therefore, can't be rewarded in kind, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And she thinks she's taking these risks for the right reason. She thinks she's sort of making reparations towards Scott for putting him in danger, and that's why she's there in the first place. And then her reward is actually kind of horrible, and it's to find out that, even though she saved Scott and Derek, the end game is that she finds out that her mother tried to kill Scott. Actually, which I do think to be a reward. I think I think the truth is a reward regardless of how it affects you. That's very deep. Thanks. You're welcome. Like, I, brutal honesty is just brutal. But I mean, like, actual yes. truth is a reward regardless. Yeah, I, I think it probably will help her be able to process her mother's death on a level that she could not previously access. Yes. Um, do you want to mention anything about Styles really quickly? I don't really have a lot, except for that Styles is neither a risker nor a rewarded person. He's mostly at the mercy of other people's risks and rewards. He is, however, the one who finds out that the werewolves who have been trapped in the bank have not been um, uh, in the full moon mm-hmm. for the last three months and does warn Scott of that, which informs Scott's risk. I think that Styles, just by virtue of like being a human and not being able to defend himself truly in any way, like the baseball bat's not going to do a whole lot. I think he's always a little bit at risk. Like his his risk level is usually at like a six yeah. at all times. Yeah. Um, and he knows that. That's a very conscious choice for Styles uh, at all times because he loves Scott and he doesn't want to be left out. But he does get the unfortunate task of just hanging out at Derek's loft with Peter while uh-huh. this whole thing is taking place, which I actually found kind of strange. Like I would have assumed that styles would have been at the bank, not inside, but like in the car. Yeah. Kind of like getaway driver style. The, we yeah, get like the rave scene from season two. Um, yeah. or when he's like pouring the, um, mountain ash circle mm-hmm. around the building like i did find that interesting but i also think i i think i needed a scene between styles and peter if only to establish whatever trust we come to find in peter this season mm-hmm. we need more people having one-on-ones with him early and yeah. this is if we're gonna do it early and do it this way i think that's okay well styles and peter kind of have the same function in their respective packs. If we consider Peter to be part of Derek's pack where they have the most knowledge Mm -hmm. and they are the most active problem solvers. So it is interesting to see them to be interacting together. In a weird way, if Derek is 
foil to Scott. Peter is foil to Styles. Like if you mm-hmm. flipped Styles on like the morality chart, you'd get a Peter. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um. So yeah, like I, I, again, like Styles is hoping that he is rewarded by his friends being saved and Scott being safe. But again, mm-hmm. is not the one taking that risk. He's just waiting for the risk for other people to even out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move to Q's nose? Let's do it. I have only one question. Go for it. And I know she gives some bullshit reason later, but like, why does Morel work for the Alpha Pack? Um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's, it has to do with like the nematon and balance. Whatever. In the world. And like the druids, I really wish that they had pulled that out a little bit further because the I have questions. mythology is so unexplained. It's really frustrating. And yet it's some of the best mythology in Teen Wolf. So it's what does so, that say about this podcast? It's so interesting and compelling. It just is not fleshed out enough for us to be like, aha, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. That um, was my only question. I actually have two questions. Hit me. Why, when they find out that the bank has been robbed before and they're Do they not out. immediately go to the sheriff? Why? I, well, in one part, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Styles and Scott the benefit of the doubt here and say that their involvement in the sheriff's career has ultimately been detrimental, mm. um, including getting him removed from his position. And they also still might be trying to hide their involvement in the supernatural from him. I think that they would think immediately. Even if they were like, oh, maybe my dad, you know, like he could find the records. They'd be like, no, it's not worth it. It's only until it's confirmed that he was the one who took in the bank robbers that they actually approach him. That's fair. It just, once again, it's always better when the parents adults are know. I know, I know. The um, resources they open up for themselves. The amount yeah. of hospital that is open to them once Melissa knows. Crazy. The medical board would have her removed immediately if they knew. Oh yeah, her license revoked. Yep. Um, this is kind of just like a logistical question, but I was thinking about it as we were talking about Allison when she's shoved into that closet and Morel is kind of like, you don't know what you stepped into here. Like there will be fighting. And when Kali kind of like stops outside the closet, Allison spills some ammonia, which first of all would be far more suspicious than any kind of human smell. um, If things just immediately started smelling very strongly of ammonia, but how did she know that it was a werewolf and she was smelling Allison? Like, how does she know? I don't know. I do, I do almost wonder though, if she spilled the, upon spilling the ammonia so quickly, if that's what made her not realize Erica's body was in there. Mm. I think it, because you would know that there was a dead body body in there, especially one that had been that dead. Mm -hmm. I think that was to sort of continue the suspense of her being in that room, which is worse. Actually, Teen Wolf, fuck you. (laughs) It like when I actually walk it out, it does not make sense. No, um, no, I'm trying to give it sense, but it doesn't have. You, you I know appreciate what? it. Screw that. Observations? Do you have any? Uh, do 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 do. You go first. Um, this gave us some of the best styles jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love the condom bit. It is so funny, especially <laughs> when Coach tells him congratulations. The rubber glove thing, I think I've seen Gift a million times. This is a very good Styles episode being as funny as he is, which is interesting because Styles is going through his own sort of emotional trauma on the sidelines of like knowing that Heather is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some very good Styles. I love how like sort of the idea of virginity is handled in Teen Wolf. Yes. It is so much smarter than so many other teen shows. Like, I just watched Rag- Ragnarok, which is a um, Norwegian teen drama. And, like, there's this one part where, like, the popular kids find out that a girl in their friend group is a virgin and has been lying about it. And they, like, kick her out of the friend group. And it's like, that's so not <laughs> how teenagers what work. Yeah, teenagers are either, like, if you're having sex, that's fine. If you're not don't care it's really just about me as a human being trying to pass ap calculus like yeah there's so much more in your mind and i i really think that's i mean if that wasn't your experience in in high school like let me know but in my high school it was like there were people there were kids in your friend group having sex and kids in your friend group who weren't and the losing of the actual virginity might have been a big deal but when it happened was like no one was pressed people were just kind of like I am the main character. Yeah. I don't care what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> um, but like Teen Wolf has always been good about it, about like styles coming to it organically. And it was never a big conversation about Scott and Allison either. It no. just happened and moved on. Teen Wolf is extremely sex you know, positive. Yes. We're very into it. We are. Um, I already mentioned how beautiful I think the ice bath scene is. Oh, Cora. Is the aliens of this season. Unexplained, stupid, ruined the second season of American (laughs) Horror Story. We talk about this a lot, about how the first three seasons of American Horror Story are great, and how the second one would be the best if there were not aliens at the end of it. Cora's entrance is unexplained, and her exit is unexplained, and I... She doesn't bring enough to the table for me to be like, yeah, Cora. She does some pull-ups at one point. I'm like, wow, Adelaide Kane is really strong, but that's about it. A pull-up is not a special skill. It's a thing that you can learn how to do. Can you do a pull-up? No. I can't either, so I'm gonna if I ever learn, it's going on my special skill set on my resume. Okay, but if you're a werewolf, is it a special skill? No. No. Um, yeah. Cora. Also, we could have just picked a name that was like a a walk that was like two steps further than Laura. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One. My, uh, my last observation is, Oh, two actually one, the broken glass in the feet in the hallucination that Heather has while she's being abducted. So good. Such good teen wolf gore. I, at some points I think that, um, teen wolf is like over excessive in its use of gore, but that one was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yay. My last observation is that, uh, I love that Gideon Emery has what are essentially daredevil's powers. Yes. Because what are Teen Wolf powers if not just having heightened senses and the fact that he's blind and then uses those senses like and the vibrations in the air to like create a vis- visual picture of what's around him in his head to like, and we haven't even gotten to how good Deucalion is at that yet. I'm just mentioning it now because I think it's so interesting well, also, there are no original ideas. They just made him Daredevil. <laughs> but also, it's so good. And also, Gideon Emery, who plays Deucalion, is in the first two episodes of Daredevil on Netflix. And it's like, it's what he was born to do. Amazing. Uh, I love Gideon Emery. I think he is the best Teen Wolf villain. 
If not the hottest. Definitely the hottest. <laughs> Best possibly up for debate. Great. Yeah. The, but, um, the, I also just love Daredevil. So I'm like, yeah, blind superpowers. <laughs> um, Observations? Do you have them? I do have some observations. Okay, this is the thing that like has bothered me for so long about Teen Wolf and the concept of Beacon Hills as a town. And it's this line that Peter has where Styles is asking him, like, where do you live? And Peter's like, oh, I live in a ne- network of underground caves, which it turns out that there are, there is a network of like underground tunnels in Beacon Hills later on. But he's like, no, I have a condo downtown. What is down? This is not a question. Oh, but no, like- no, no. Okay, but I said this when we were watching it. I yeah. think the original conceit of Beacon Hills is that it was probably like a small town of like 20,000, 30,000 people. Know what I'm saying? And then when they moved Beacon Hills in season three, it was maybe more like an Ann Arbor-sized town of like 120,000 people, 130,000 people. So there actually is a downtown with condos available. Like... What's what I find really strange. It's just inconsistent. What I find really strange about that, though, is that like Derek's clearly living in a residential loft. Where else do you find those things outside of like a downtown... Or an industrial park, but like there are midtowns to small towns. Like there are other areas that are residentially like with buildings that aren't the downtown of the downtown. I guess it just really bugs me. Um, Think yeah. about how many apartment buildings in Ann Arbor there are that aren't downtown that are on Main Street. But they're not. They're not like Derek's loft, which can hold a rave. You know what I mean? No, because I've been in some of those apartments and they're very weirdly big. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, the high school? Completely new. Oh, yeah. That's not really an observation. I think everybody knows. Like, we talked about it. Like, they switched locations. They switched filming locations. This high school is so much fancier than the original Beacon Hills. It's so much fancier. And they have their first scene under that little archway that they love to become the archway yeah. of Teen Wolf. Um, and then my last observation, we haven't talked about fashion a whole lot except to say i think in the last episode that um everybody gets exponentially hotter in this season like the haircuts yep. are better the clothes are better allison is wearing this truly heinous plaid shirt when she's talking to scott and it's like the bib is like one kind of plaid and then the sleeves are another kind of plaid and her hair looks great but you're just looking at the shirt the whole time and you're like what is this you know what's so funny hmm. i didn't look at that shirt at all I was busy looking at her hair and not thinking about it. I hated that shirt. So that's probably why I was looking at it. Um, I think a lot of times in Teen Wolf, the fashion is like unremarkable, but when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, sure. Are you wrapped up with Q's nose? I believe so. Do you want to hit us with the pack stats? Pack stats. Um, super limited. Yeah, on not a lot. Pack stats. Also, because there's not a whole lot of werewolf action um, in this particular episode. So we had one eyes... Mm-hmm. One clause, just because we saw Kali, and one shirt when Isaac gets into the bath. No ads, no sirens, one Greenberg. One Greenberg, important. A new pack stack. An important thing about uh, Daniel Sharman is that he is British-shaped. Can't describe <laughs> it, but he is not shaped like an American man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> There's not enough leg. <laughs> and we, we don't mean, like, height-wise. We mean, like, thick. Girth-wise. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
I truly hate the word girth. I don't know why I said it. Really gross. Do you have an alpha of the week? Um, my alpha of the week is probably Styles. Why? He's just so dang funny. He sure is. And I feel like uh, he has kind of been relegated to a side plot for the last couple of like later into season two, first episode. Um, but he plays a really big role uh, in this particular episode. He's there being really supportive and funny. Um, and because this is a literally and figuratively dark episode, you need that. I agree. Yeah. Who is your alpha of the week? Mine is Isaac, but it's kind of retroactive. I mean, I know I always like for reasons to go to Isaac, but it's kind of retroactive and it is mostly to give him the alpha of the week for finding Erica and Boyd. And for being mm-hmm. the one that gives um, Scott and Derek the resources to at least save Boyd, if not Erica, which obviously they can't. And also because it's really, really sad to lose a best friend. So yes, that's tragic. He also, put, I love him. He puts himself through a lot. Yeah. Alternate, uh, like, Alpha of the Week, Coach Finstock. Literally always. What a good teacher. He is such a good teacher. You know your best teachers in high school? They talked like that. I was thinking about my APUS teacher, my APUS teacher while I was watching that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. right on. That's just like Mr. Cooper. Any, any teacher who like cares to have a casual and invested relationship with their students, which coach Finstock clearly has. Yeah. Good teacher. I was thinking about the risk and reward, um, thing like activity that he was doing with them. And he was like, if you get the quarter in the cup, you don't have to take the pop quiz or write the essay. Mm -hmm. And my AP micro teacher in high school, I remember was explaining like the conceit of, um, diminishing marginal, not utility, but. When you enjoy something. Returns? Yeah. Diminishing marginal returns. And he gave, like, we all, he was like, drew a card at random and gave a kid in my class a box of six donuts and was like, you have to finish these. And checked in after every donut. And he was like, how do you feel? And the kid was like, great, I had a donut. And he was like, great, I had two donuts. And he was like, great, I had three donuts. And he was like, man, Mr. K.O., I cannot eat the fourth donut. And he's like, diminishing marginal returns. So, so like, good. So like Miss Trunchbull and the cake. But, but no, but because nice. it was nice and yeah. fun. Yeah, I was so bad at micro. I'm so sorry, Mr. Caro. You were a great teacher. It had nothing to do with you. It was all to do with the fact that I can't do basic math. <laughs> that is the problem with economics. It involves so much basic math. I know. God damn it. Um, we went to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but we did not have to take math. No, we didn't. In our defense. No, nope, we didn't. Um, I think that about wraps it up, Yeah. Yeah, we're two episodes down of season three. So sad. That means we're two episodes closer to season four. (laughs) And then season Season five. five. Um, Yeah, but I think think that wraps it up. I think this was a good discussion about risk and reward. I'm hoping that people chime in on Twitter, as they often do. Um, If you guys would like to follow our Twitter, it's at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. And you can follow us at Tumblr at TeenWolfReWolf. Uh, we post our updates there, and from there, you guys can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams, should you be so inclined. If you enjoyed this episode, which I really hope you did, I hope you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can find new listeners, tell your friends who I know like Teen Wolf, because you only like Teen Wolf if your friends like Teen Wolf. That's how it works. It's a um, true fact. We'll be back next week for S 
three E three. Nice. Thank you. And other than that, I have been Christian. I'm Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. A woo. A woo.